views expressed during this show are mine and my co-host alone and not reflective of any particular political party or organization. Welcome to Purple Politics, a discussion between the red and the blue here in the woodlands. I'm Amy Hamrick-Lewis, the chair of the Montgomery County Democratic Party, and I'm joined again this week with Sean, by Sean Thompson, area Republican. Not chair of anything. I'm in a chair. I'm sitting in a chair right now. The elephant in the room sitting in here with Amy. Yes. And we are filming this on Friday, the day, the day after Joe Biden accepted the nomination mm-hmm. for the Democratic uh, candidate as president in 2020. And, of course, um, Kamala Harris accepted the nomination for vice president Wednesday night. Has there historically ever been a situation where someone goes, nah, never mind, I'm, not, I'm out? I mean, way back in the day, right, maybe? I would love that to happen, you know. You got the nomination. No, not so much. Or someone throws up another nomination on the floor at the right. last minute, which, of course, couldn't happen this year with it being virtual. But, yeah. yeah we... so it took the fun away from that. <laughs> <laughs> kind it, of a foregone conclusion. Right. It was weird, though, watching that part of it without a crowd. Yes, it, it, it really is. It's not unlike, uh, you know, sports mm-hmm. right now or a virtual concert or something there's and you know i myself i'm heavy into theater and so every week we we do zoom shakespeare or zoom oscar wilde and stuff and it's good it's good for what it is but like the whole purpose of live entertainment like sports and concerts and conventions and theater is there's not supposed to be a screen separating the audience from the action right it's very immersive so it really does kind of jack with the reality now, um, you know, I know that next week we're going to talk about the conventions in general because next Tuesday through Thursday is the RNC, right. and I think we can compare and contrast. But I have to say, for what it was, the DNC, the Democratic Convention, uh, technically did the best they possibly could. I, I agree. I agree. I think any shortcomings was just... Um, the fact that it had to be virtual and not in the way they made it virtual. Um, you know, like I said, not having the crowd reaction to the speeches, I think just as a viewer, take something away. But definitely the the production of it and the execution, I thought, was well done. And there are benefits. Um, and Brian and I talked about um, the local conventions, the state conventions mm-hmm. a little bit. And, of course, the Democratic Party had a planned virtual state convention, and the Republicans had to do theirs on the fly. Um, but there is benefit to being able to stay home and see everything on your time. You can watch it live. You can watch it after the fact. Um, you can watch more of the business of the convention because everything is, is broadcast. Um, and at least, especially on the state level, they did it um, individually. Whereas if you're at the convention, all of these business meetings are happening all at the same time. So a lot of people don't realize in the convention mm-hmm. that the the sausage is made during the day, and then the, the party, party happens yep. at night. Yep. So you can only go to one business meeting at a time. Whereas when it's when it's virtual like this, then you can see a lot of it, and you can even if you are watching some of it recorded after the fact, mm-hmm. you can see a lot more of behind the curtain work going on, which I think is a, is a benefit to, to people who are really interested in politics, but normally just see the speeches and the, the balloons and all of that and don't get to see Absolutely. the work of the party. Now, the one thing that's, of course, changed from last week to this week is now we have our candidates. Everyone's accepted their, well, the odds well, are. And that, yes. And so what do you think about that? Because there is this 
rumor slash conspiracy theory that maybe President Trump will drop Mike Pence. And pick many, many moons ago, and actually it was during uh, the Beto O'Rourke run, mm-hmm. my sense at that time, um, which may or may not reflect my sense at this time, was I felt it was before Beto O'Rourke's time, mm-hmm. especially coming off uh, you know the heels of a, of a failed candidacy. Um, I felt he should wait till 2024. And I thought, you know, if Trump were smart, he would dump Mike Pence to bring in someone like how my wish list was like Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. someone with cred, something who could, you know, you got to go for certain votes. You hit, I won't call it pan, won't call it pandering. Sometimes you just got to do what you need to do to get the female vote or the black vote or the Hispanic vote or something. Um, but I thought it would be a good half pander, half good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it's a good idea, just because it's pandering doesn't mean it's a bad idea. If that makes sense. And I, so I don't think he will. <clears throat> I think the situation where we're in very extreme times right now with COVID and, and, and everything else, that to royal something that's already set, that may produce too much of an X factor. Now, let's see what 2024 brings, and I have some firm ideas about that. And I'll write in an envelope and see what it's given to you. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, 2024 is convention to open it up and see if my prediction is, is, is real. So, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. You know, we could have an August surprise just like that. My gut says no. And it's interesting because Nikki Haley still is the name that's kind of bandied about, especially since Kamala Harris is the Democratic vice presidential nominee now. Um, and I think there's a lot of Republicans that are afraid to see her debate Mike Pence because she is known for chewing up men and spitting them out. And Mike Pence is certainly not a strong candidate in any sense of the word when it comes to debating. And so I think there is a lot of, you know, glee actually on the part of Democrats to see that debate take place. And so there is some thought that he would pull Pence out of that situation, put in somebody like Nikki Haley, um, where it wouldn't be quite as lopsided. It also wouldn't be quite as fun, I think, in some... Yeah, I actually I actually get that, what you're saying there. But then you also, I also think that the only reason that Mike Pence was ever picked in the first place was to bring the even, evangelical vote. And so what would that do? He's already on shaky ground with the evangelicals, um, with a lot of the actions he's taken this year. And so if he were to get rid of Pence and bring in somebody like Nikki Haley, is that going to upset the apple cart when it comes? Again, I think it's too much of an X factor because Nikki, of course, she's been vetted for what, you know, ambassador to UN, uh, uh, National Security Council. Um, so there's been vetting, but not the public vetting. It's right. like who it, it, re, it would read if this were an episode of the West Wing, I'd be all over it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, uh, not so much, but I think Nikki Haley or someone like Nikki Haley is good to have in your pocket. Absolutely, the vice presidential debate. Here's my sense on it. I believe <clears throat> firmly that the only constitutional requirement or prerequisite to be vice president is you got to have a pulse. And, and you have to be old. Yeah, historically. But I mean, his, historically, vice presidents are, I don't want to say nobodies. I just want to say they're... But they are. But they are, you, you know, and I'm not saying this mean in any way. And every time you have a vice presidential candidate that rocks the apple cart, I'll say Dan Quayle, mm-hmm. I'll say uh, um, Sarah Palin. So I'm picking two Republicans mm-hmm. to back up my thought that 
when they get to too well-known or put on the same pedestal as the president, that way dragons lie. Your, your job is just to be the quiet guy, be the tiebreaker in the Senate, which actually Pence was for like the first time in forever, right. um, <clears throat> and go to Walmart openings and be, you know, and do what vice presidents do best over at the OEOB. Right. The, the office isn't even in the White House. Right. And with our, with, with the Democratic debate, even down to, if you've seen the photos that have been happening, Kamala Harris is literally standing larger than and standing in front of Biden. I don't think I'd be out of line to strongly suggest, and I don't think I'd be wearing a tinfoil hat to say, people aren't going to be voting for Biden so much as Harris assuming the mantle at some point. Well, we do have the oldest two candidates going uh, against each other that I think we've ever had. So. That, and that's shocking because, you know, you would think Reagan. Right. You know, you think something like that and realize, no, not so much. Right. So I think that it is a fair argument on both sides to say these vice presidents, can't, uh, vice presidential candidates, are closer to the White House than than any uh, vice presidential candidates have been going in. I mean, obviously, we've had a couple instances where they did end up having to take the presidency, but that was completely unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. This is but one where you're, when your vote is being cast, you that's in your mind, mm -hmm. that no one's thinking, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, Kennedy Johnson? Sure, why yeah. not? What, what could go wrong when, and thrown in the spotlight? And I think, given the fact that we had more Democratic, real Democratic candidates than we've had in a long time, um, you know, most years there's one or two frontrunners, and then some people that, that always run. And then you have the really low tier of, you know, really reaching just want to be on the stage. And, but it's, it's not a contest. Nobody expects, you know, the lower two-thirds um, to get anywhere. But we had... Nobody expects the Inquisition. <laughs> but we had a slate of candidates where almost any of them could have risen to the top and uh, and gotten the nomination. And so I th just the sheer fact that we aren't picking, that we didn't pick somebody unknown to a good portion of the population because we had so many qualified people running. And we had so many people that were willing to, once they were out, still agree to be vice president. Because, you know, the popular thought in 2016 was that wouldn't it be great if now that Hillary and the question between Hillary and Bernie was decided if they ran together and then that would maybe uh, make most people happy. But there were two big egos that were not going two to... Two alphas, you're absolutely right. And this group was not like that. So there were many, many of those candidates that got far, farther than normal in the process that would have agreed to be vice president. And I think that is what was unprecedented. No, Amy, I have to admit, and you know that I don't relish in the fact that I tick off people on both sides of the aisle, but watching the 2016 president, the GOP slate, mm -hmm. uh, I, let me give you my de default look. Yeah. <clears throat> 17, 16 or 17. And at that time, I was half convinced that Trump was like a, a DNC operative just sent mm -hmm. to roil it up because... It just didn't make sense. And I think he was more shocked than anybody as events progressed. 
and bit by bit it knocks out. <coughs> and very rarely do you have a failed presidential candidate be asked to be the vice presidential candidate. I'm trying to picture in my head who has, and I honestly can't think of one. I can't think of one, and I didn't go back and look for sure, but yeah. But if, it's, it if it has be, happened, it would have been back right. when, you know, the, the vice president was the losing presidential candidate. Exactly. Um, and I, I think there's a reason for that, because there are, you know, you have your debates, and, you know, my opponent just kills baby goats and, you know, bathes in their blood by the moonlight. And then later on, you get, well, I want, and of course, that's where we are with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Right. It's fodder for the GOP soundbite right. for, well... Okay, even though she never said he was racist, obviously, but in the debate it was alluded to. Oh, thank you. That's a good <laughs> way. I was going to say implied, but but alluded to, or conversely, the I believe the women who were filing claims right. of sexual harassment on him, and it's okay. That really wasn't that long ago. So all that does is open up the ability for the GOP. It gives them cannon. It gives them fodder for the cannon. Now, going back to that, if, if, I, if I may, because you raised a good point about why Pence was chosen. And I absolutely agree because you have Donald Trump, and I, I firmly believe that between Donald Trump and Barack Obama, it has been proven conclusively that damn near anybody can be president. You know, the the color barrier was broken. I don't think I would ever put the two of them in the same sentence. But. Well, but between them, the color barrier is broken. You can, well, you know, a black man can't be. Well, yes, he can. And someone who has literally zero experience in the so political arena. So which proves is that anybody but a woman at this point. That's next on the list. Um, so, you know, Nikki, start honing those skills. And <laughs> I knew that would, would happen. Um, but... So Pence was necessary. Now, of course, he gave up a gubernatorial rerun. Pence it would have been a disaster for him and an embarrassing loss. And but so yes. it's like, hey, you want to be VP? <laughs> hey, sure. You know. Um, and, of course, he was a previous senator for, you know, not 50 years, like uh, um, the current uh, Joe Biden, but, you know, long enough, uh, 10, 12 years, I believe, uh, and then um, governor. So there was enough, but he was a, it was a non-entity for the most part. Now, of course, everyone's going to rock boats and cast boats that, or, or say or do things. But for the most part, you hear Mike Pence, people are like, who's Mike Pence? Mm -hmm. And I kind of, that's, to me, that's kind of what a vice presidential candidate should be. And I, I'm remembering the H. Ross Perot running with Admiral, what's his name, where he says, and you're probably wondering who the hell I am. And I <laughs> love that. Of course, it doomed the race at that moment. But I loved it that he's acknowledging, I'm running for VP and you have no idea who I am. Right, right. Right, yes. But then, you know, again, we can't, we can't do that now because of the likelihood. Not the likelihood, but the statistical chance that either The way, more possible than had previously right. been considered But scenario. also, just, just the way that... That life is now with social media and, you know, all of the 24-hour news and the podcasts and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, people are more engaged in this part of the process, I think, than they used to be. More people are engaged because it's easier to be engaged. And then, of course, it's easier then to be caught up in fake news. Um, but it's hard to have somebody that's completely unknown um, in this day and age, mm -hmm. I think, and especially after Sarah Palin um, and the fiasco that that caused, I think it's a lot more dangerous to have somebody who's 
completely unknown because of course they go through a vetting process, but that obviously doesn't show you how they're going to respond to being on the national spotlight. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I don't think that a major party in the United States right now is willing to take that risk of, of the unknown um, and how they're going to respond, especially given on the Republican side, of course you say, well, anything goes because look at Trump. But if you look at the state races that have happened since Trump and all of the Trump-like candidates that have lost, I can't think of a single um, character, a single candidate that acts like Trump that has won on a state level um, since he was elected. I will give you that, and I have a reason why. Because, I mean, Trump is his own, his, his own thing. It's I mean, like no... every time there's a blockbuster movie and then you have the slew of independent movies that mm -hmm. try desperately to latch onto it mm -hmm. and they fail miserably because it's not well, and the original. Well, it, and it's not the original, but it's also, I mean, it, it's also not workable. I mean, there's so much not working at the federal level. And so when you get down to it, I think the closer you get to home and the closer the decisions come to your family, do you really want... Uh, a loose cannon making those decisions that close to your family, I think most people really don't. It's a spectacle that I think a lot of people have fun watching at the national level. It lets these racists and bigots and jerks um, spout off because now they feel like they can. But is that really what you, the, the type of person you want making decisions in your community? I don't think most people want that that close to home. And that, I'm going to jump on that because that leads to an inter interesting point. Because, of course, on one side, stereotypically, we have, hey, on the right, they're racist and bigots. But on the left, okay, we got fascists because you can't have fascism without socialism. You literally can't. You can't have a fa a fascism in a purely capitalist society. It, it, uh, capitalism plus socialism equals fascism. Fascism plus socialism equals communism. Capitalism plus capitalism equals capitalism. Okay, I think that's a discussion for <laughs> right. But but on the other side, so we have, uh, how can I, I'll phrase it as the rabble rousers that are out there kicking people in the head, burning down federal property that no one on the left, especially the top two officers of that party, have said one word against to, to, to say, stop, do not do this. There are, you know, it's, it's excuse after excuse after excuse is made for these people. Peaceful protest intensifying literally does not make sense. To, inten you know, to say a peaceful protest intensifies, which is what the Washington Post tried to say this was, intensification by its very definition means to enhance the existing state. This country was founded by a peaceful protest that intensified. I mean, that's literally the Tea Party was how, on a peaceful protest. That's literally how this country came to be was peaceful protests that intensified. But there's also vast proof that the rioters are not the protesters, that they're people taking advantage of the fact that there's protests going on. But they're still not stopping, and only the right is condemning them. The left is saying, they're trying, well, they're just, you know, these are agitators, but you're still not saying, telling them to stop. The right isn't either because they're no. blaming it on the protesters who aren't the ones who are destroying the property. Well, the they're right's kind of it blaming if, if you're burning, if you're shooting a laser or a frozen water bottle or a slingshot at a cop, that person needs to be hunted down, 
tackled, but handcuffed, not, and thrown in jail. And on the left, it's, oh, we have Nazi stormtroopers who in secret police who were dragging, it's called unmarked cars because marked cars were getting Molotov cocktails thrown in them. But they're not going after the agitators. They're yes, they are. No, not at the moment in time because you can wait to see, okay, this person's doing it. They're running away. I will get them. Now let's go get them. Just because they don't have the Molotov cocktail in their hand at that moment does not mean that two minutes later they weren't throwing it. They were, and that's what's ending up on the phone. after the the protesters that are legitimately protesting. They're, I mean, we, but when they're mixed into rioters, literally, you got one protester surrounded by five rioters. I'm not saying collateral damage, but you got to get whoever's causing the grief and then sort it out. Because think about the, the cops who have been killed. And yet we have... And injured and permanently blinded. Think about the black men that are being gunned down in the street for nothing. Yes, absolutely. But you, I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. It's not a yeah, but scenario. I agree with you. Black men being shot by cops, white men being shot by cops, cops that beat their wives, cops that eat a gun because they can't handle them anymore. Of course it's a bad thing. Then, But nothing... But not- that doesn't excuse protesters permanently blinding them with lasers. It's not an either-or thing. But there's still not a... There's not a solution coming from the right. There's... Yes, there is. Arrest them. No. Get them off the street. stopping it? No, because, because they pulled not... out... They, because troops went in. Now, don't forget, in Rhode Island, the governor, Democratic governor, did the awesome thing and hauled out the National Guard. But they're not... Oh, yeah. Done. The, the protests aren't going to stop. The, the initial protests, we not the rioters. To stop. The protests are not going to stop until there's actual movement towards bettering of the system. Brianna Taylor's murderers still have not been arrested. Did they break the law? Brianna Taylor's murderers? Yes. How did they break the well, law? Well, they might not. I, How, did they break the law? You can only arrest someone if they broke the law or accused of breaking the law. Did they break the law? I think they did. No, the law says that they followed procedure. The procedure was screwed up. The procedure was... But they followed the law and the procedure. I, you can't I, arrest no, them. I don't think that they followed the spirit of the law. There was absolutely no reason to shoot that many times into a home when they did not know what was going on behind the door. Because they had a no-knock warrant does not mean that they can just level the building to the ground, so, which is basically what they did. If it is determined by a grand jury that law was broken, I'll be the first have one to haul up the handcuffs. Have they a grand jury? I don't know. I don't think they I have. would say not. I don't think they have. Okay. And certainly nothing's been done to mitigate that law, to change that law. Well, they're too busy sending people over to Portland to keep it from getting burned to the ground. I don't think so. Um, I can show you video after video yes, after video of what's happening to people without a federal Portland? presence because it was told, well, they're making it bad. So the federal, federal presence pulled out. They're like, fine, it's yours. And now we have like Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Banning protesting on her block because she said, quote, I have the right to protect my house. There is an insane double standard. It's like you can had, protest and riot as long as it's not on my house. And when we've had block. decades of peaceful protest, all we have heard from the right and all we've heard for the past three years from the president is, no, not that way. No, you can't kneel. No, you can't wear shirts. No, you can't write editorials. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Sit down, shut up, get over it, know your place. And this is what happens when you tell people 
for generations, sit down, shut up, know your place. Does that make it right? This, yes. Yes, it to, does. To yes, blind and kill does. police officers because... What has been going on in this country since its inception with African Americans, with black people, with brown people, this country was built on the back of our black community, and we've done nothing but grind them into the dirt since then. All of the laws that were made after the Civil War and Reconstruction have been to keep them in their place. And this is what happens. We are reaping the consequences of what we sowed hundreds of years ago and never fixed. Okay. There's got to be a line that's not crossed. And why do you think that white men on the right side should be the ones to make that line? Well, there's white men on the left side, too. Yeah, and they're not making and that And we're talking about a presidential candidate who rubbed shoulders with segregationists and mm -hmm. called them very civil, mm -hmm. um, who was opposed to busing, mm -hmm. who was said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That was a joke. I wasn't laughing, and I bet a lot of black people weren't laughing either. A lot of black people weren't laughing. A lot of black people were laughing. But I don't think that that is indicative of anything. And in my mind, in Dementia Veritas, I think with Joe Biden's diminishing mental capacity, true colors come out, much like those who drunk. You say, I'm sorry I was drunk. Well, that's where the truth comes out. There's a 50-year history of being told, well, I don't think Joe Biden has too many good days left in him. Oh, my God. And to have someone with 50 years of saying, well, you know, these women never had a chance. These black people never had a chance. He was in it for 50 yes, years. he was. He was second only to a black man. Yes. Who wouldn't even support him for a run immediately after him. Typically, the vice pres sitting vice president is the presumptive nominee. For the next Biden presidency. Biden didn't know if he wanted it at the time. I, and, and absolutely because of the death of his son. I, I Believe me, I'm not diminishing that at all. What he went By through By the time horrible. he decided there were so many candidates that would have been inappropriate for Obama mm -hmm. to make a public um, spot, you know, what's the word just right in it? It would have been inappropriate for him to pick a side at that point. He was in a lose-lose, and I, and I absolutely get that. I don't hold him accountable for that. But it's telling that even now, the current president, or sorry, the immediate past president, waited till literally there's no one else to throw a sport behind him to say he, he's the guy. I don't think he waited till literally, but we could not, we, it would not have been a good situation to get into what we thought we were going to might have in 2016, where we had a brokerage convention and there was not a solid which was the danger, and that's what yeah. I started doing with the whole thing. I, I laugh at 2016 with me just fighting migraines, seeing these 17 guys and this debacle, and seeing the very tightly run DNC going on. Okay, and then it's flopped and four years later, it, and, and I, I, I got to laugh. It speaks again to how extremely qualified our slate of candidates at the beginning was. That can I ask a question? I'm, I'm sorry. Please finish your well, thought. Just that, I mean, there wasn't. There wasn't a clear winner from the very beginning. There wasn't one person or even two people that you would say it has to be one of these two because obviously none of the rest of them are suitable. We could have had almost any of them and had an amazing ticket to go into 2020. With that being said, why did Biden say, 
I'm picking a woman, which you have all these wonderfully qualified candidates, and by him saying it's the female, and then on the heels of that, and it's a black female, 95% of these candidates were suddenly out of the picture. Because historically, it has not mattered how qualified a woman or a person of color is to get the job. Unqualified white men always have a leg up over anybody else. And so, yes, I'd say John McCain may argue that one. I'm not saying I'm not saying (laughs) in a popularity contest. I'm saying when it comes to being picked for positions of leadership or power across the board, not just in politics, but across society. But you're saying there's this whole slate. We had 17 amazing candidates and the presidential candidate or the DNC saying, ah, but only a black woman, which literally knocked out 95% of his qualified candidates. And the people that it left were more immensely qualified than anybody on the right. The... It is not like we said, okay, it has to be a black woman, and so then we have to go down to the bottom of the barrel. The cream had already risen to the top. We had so many amazing women and women of color in this country who we can call on at the snap of our fingers to to lead us. It, It did nothing to diminish the power of our party to say it has to be a black woman. We have so many amazing black women it could have had. And even when it did, the hour before it was announced that it was Kamala, there was still a pool of half a dozen amazing black women that it could have been. We suffered nothing in saying we're excluding everybody else. Interesting point, uh, truly. Uh, so going on to uh, Kamala Harris her, her, herself, uh, you know, obviously being named the pick, uh, Obviously, a history with with her. It's interesting to me that that certain aspects of the mainstream media, and I hate the phrase because it you know makes me sound like a Fox News watching only person. And believe me, God, every day I spend hours on Reuters, CNN, Fox News, you name it. You know, BBC. Uh, but she's being painted with a brush of oh, this is a moderate. This is a moderate. She's a moderate choice. Yet, literally, Kamala Harris co-sponsored with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez the Green New Deal. That, take out her history as a DA and her history as Attorney General of California, and we'll probably discuss that momentarily, but that in itself says this is not not moderate. This is as far left as you can get. She definitely is not as far left as you can get. The Green New Deal is a very far left piece of... It wasn't even legislation, but... A uh, proposal. Of, right. But the entirety of her um, of her platform is not, um, is not leftist at all. It's not progressive. I, she definitely is not as moderate as Biden, but she definitely is not in Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders territory. If I may, and I'm not being glib, what would separate her from that then? Her stance on health care. Does she not want health care for illegal aliens, illegal immigrants? Um, you know what? I'm not sure how she answered that, but she might have. But she does not want to get rid of private insurance, as I, as I am understanding her, um, what, where she came down at the end of 
I'll say that it. it's yes to the coverage of illegal aliens. I do agree with you, but I don't believe she's called for a cessation of private health care. Um, she, as far as I'm aware, does not, um, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe she wants completely free um, higher education like Bernie Sanders does and like Elizabeth Warren does. I Again, I, I, I think I'll have to agree with you on that. Um And she doesn't, she doesn't consider herself that far to the left. She, she, I don't think if you had to, if you, you know, handed her a pin and told her to stick it on the line, she would not um, consider herself. She certainly has, did not put herself out there as a proud progressive like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren did. Her record as a prosecutor, I mean, I think it's almost impossible to be a prosecutor and be that far to the left. Um, she did do some problematic things as a prosecutor, and some of them she has said, you know, looking back, I would not have done this. She has not done that, I don't believe, with all of the um, the actions that she took, but I definitely think she's probably, as she has uh, been in the Senate and has gone, the further she gets away from that prosecutorial position, she has gone more to the left. But I, she definitely in the pool of candidates, maybe the the middle of the, <laughs> and, the and middle honestly, of the left. To to say, well, she's not as left as Bernie St- Sanders. That kind of sets a low bar. It's like she's not quite as left as Mao. Um, but there was, I think, that there would have been a lot of um, merit in picking somebody more along the lines of Elizabeth Warren in terms of policy, to bring the entire party together. She mm, would not have been my first pick just on that those grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, not taking away from her qualifications at all or what she brings to the table, but I would have liked to have seen somebody who is, who is more to the left, who is more progressive, because we are a big tent party. We have people from all parts of the spectrum and Biden and Harris, they don't cover that entire spectrum. And it would have been nice to have a ticket that covered more of it. Interesting. So let me ask you, uh, you know, as a Democrat, as I've heard you, I think you might be, um, <laughs> is the Biden-Harris ticket kind of your dream ticket? No, no. Um, if if it was alternate reality you. time, who would you have really liked to have seen in that? Elizabeth Warren and Julian Castro. You really? Really? Uh, that is my... Who, uh, who led the ticket? Who Elizabeth. Would, Elizabeth Warren leading the ticket, William Castro. Just out of curiosity, it's very interesting. Why? And part of it is personal. Okay, um, which is fine. Absolutely personal. Um, and and part of it is, and again, they don't completely do the ticket. So if I had to take one of them off, I would take off Julian and put, I don't even know who, somebody along with Elizabeth Warren. Um, but Elizabeth Warren is the smartest person in this country today. I mean, she just is. Um, you know, her slogan is she has a plan for that, and she does. And when you listen to her talk, she she does. She has a plan for everything, but she also, you know, she was a, a college professor for a very long time. She can make anything understandable to everybody. And so to for her, she can break down the most complex economic principles anything and break it down to the American public so that they understand what the problem is and how it can be fixed. And that is something that not everybody can do. 
she's also smart enough to know what she doesn't know. And that's a huge problem with the person we have in the White House right now, is that she knows when she needs to call in other experts and who those experts should be to to get plans made for things that she is not an expert in. And, and that's a big problem that we have right now. And Julian. Julian is amazing. Again, he does not always... Um, I think his brilliance doesn't always come across on a national stage, um, but I've had the pleasure of, of meeting him several times and spending a lot of time talking one-on-one with him in policy, um, and he's just phenomenal. I followed his campaign for mayor in San Antonio. My husband's from San Antonio, um, and you know he brought they, he ran on wanting universal pre-K for San Antonio, and everybody said, you can't do that. That's not a city thing. That's a state thing. You can't or even a federal thing. And he did it. He raised taxes and brought pre-K to San Antonio, and everybody was happy with it. I mean, how many people can raise taxes and make people happy about it? Um, I got to say, it's a nifty trick. It is. And he, um, you know, and again, incredibly smart, knows when he needs to bring in experts. He was the first one on the campaign trail who was brave enough to talk about reparations, and he had a plan for reparations. Reparations, I'm sorry. He had a plan for reparations. Um, And, you know, like I said, just on a personal level, I just, I think that he has the the personality for Mm -hmm. that that type of position, and and that he brings a lot to the table. Well, it sounds like both these candidates really resonate with you mm-hmm. on a kind of a personal, and of course, you know, you obviously have game. You're the chair, <laughs> the precinct chair, uh, so on a professional level too. That's fairly interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'd have to think if I said if I wanted somebody more moderate to go with Elizabeth, I'd have to put a little bit more thought into it. Um, funny you talk about better or worse. I do think that he should have just stayed the course and run for Senate again. Um, and I think that he would have done phenomenal. I felt if he'd given himself um, another four years, I would have been more nervous about him rerunning than yeah, I am now. Yeah. Um, but I do think he would have been a good uh, vice presidential candidate. Um, the, I, I just don't think it can be overstated how important it is to know what you don't know. That is what we have gotten in trouble with so many times um, during this presidency. It's also then, can you trust the person to pick the right experts if they don't know? Because I think that's where we got in trouble with George W. when he was president, is who, you know, he was not the smartest man in any room, and he knew it, and so he knew he had to go to the experts, but he ended up going to work criminals for his his expertise. And so Ooh. you have to be able to trust bold statement. That they know when they need to bring in help, and you have to be able to trust that they can bring in the right help. Now, when you say this, are we talking about, like, Colin Powell and John Kerry? No, we're talking about, like, Carl Rove and, and um, Cheney. And, okay. Yeah. But not Colin Powell and John Kerry, who actually, you know, are architects of the Gulf War. Um, who, John Kerry... Now support the current Democratic ticket. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I don't, you know what, I will be truthfully honest that I don't remember, um, John Kerry's, um, exact actions, but, um, definitely Colin Powell made mistakes and, um, and he's acknowledged a lot of those mistakes. And that's a really good point. Um, I have long maintained that if you seriously dig deep enough on anybody in the universe, 
if you want them canceled, removed, not collected, however you want to phrase it, you can find it. You know, if you have the time and money and, and will, it can happen. And so it's not so much that, quote, mistakes were made, uh, but it's the ability to recognize mistakes and reconcile them. I'm on board with that because you've heard me say it before, and it's one of my mantras, too many times the wrong arguments are being pursued. And like we have, you know, we talked about having back in February, it's in general, don't buy a mask, of course, as things change. I'm not going to wail on Kamala Harris's records from years ago as uh, or how she got certain jobs or supposedly or who she was dating at the time. It's not germane in the big picture to me that, of course, stances are going to change, policies are going to change, thoughts are going to change. Um, absolutely. And if, you know, there are those who are going to want to concentrate on talk to us about Willie Brown and make that the thing. I myself, speaking for someone on the right, want to say, let that go. Focus on what is here and now, if I may. That's where I think the purple aspect of this, right. things like this can happen. And, you know, so I, I mentioned that, that some things that, that Kamala Harris did as a prosecutor problematic. My complaint with her uh, through a large portion of the beginning of the campaign for president is that she, she, I did not hear her say, I would not do that again. I did it at the time. It was what seemed right at the time. But mm-hmm. now, this many years later, and this has changed, and this and my thinking has changed, I would not do it now. She did not say that for a long time. And so I did not support her uh in her run for president, um, partly because of that. And now it's my understanding that she has um, made those comments. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate, and Biden has done the same thing with the the um, legislation that Bill Clinton passed and, you know, that went through Congress when he was president with the three strikes and you're out and, and all of that. Um, and Biden has said, you know, that's not, we, we passed it then. We thought we were doing the right thing. We see now that it was problematic to begin with and the destruction it's caused. And it's, you know, he's definitely not on board with something like that. You do have to allow for growth. I, I, I absolutely have to agree with you in that context that there's not, again, person on the planet ever born, ever will be born, that maintains the exact mindset throughout their entire life. So it, it's impossible. That being said, because she is not only the official Democratic vice presidential, vice presidential candidate, but in a very real sense, the presumptive president, not candidate, but president within the next, if, if this were to go down, uh, my money's on within the next two years. So there needs to be additional betting or I may not, I may be the guy saying, listen, this may be not so important right now, but there are those who feel, because there are dichotomies, you know, Kamala Harris on one end uh, allowed people, uh, at least one person, to languish on death row when the person was begging, give me this DNA test to prove my innocence, and she said no. But on the other hand, the same woman would have MS-13 gang member of multiple murders who was right up for the death penalty, and on multiple occasions she said, I'm not pursuing the death penalty. So it's more of a, I'm not saying which... It's almost like pick one and stick with it when it's something like that, when lives are on the line. Those are the questions I would want. To go back that far, you know, I don't care about... It's, 
Willie Brown. You know, I'm trying not to say. I don't care about her dating a man twice her age married. I don't want to, but I'm, that's not important. Do we really want to get into an argument over sexual No, I'm not trying to say because with, once we start, it's, it's, again, in it's, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> and so I, I felt weird saying it, but people go, who's Willie Brown? I'm like, well, look it up. That's not germane to where she is here now. And if someone needed a leg up, if either side of the aisle, they got a leg up. Well, I mean, I... I but it's policy however stances. Got, however she got into the job, and I don't know, I'm not saying that that is how she got into the job. But even if it were, I think that she has shown that she's more than qualified. That's what I'm trying very poorly to say. <laughs> and that's why I, I, I'm kind of digging a hole for myself. With I'm not saying she did this, but she did. And I really didn't mean to. But in my efforts to futilely say that's not important to where she is now. But... but for the like death penalty thing, it's like those are the questions I want answered. I want answer. I want her asked directly by a adversarial but not hostile media. What changed your mind, if anything, about you believing his accusers? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair question. I think uh, you touched on something very briefly that I think is interesting in talking about the vetting um, process. So. I listened to a podcast, Pod Save America, did a special. Are you familiar with Pod Save America? <laughs> I am now. I love the title. Okay. I've heard of it, but I don't, I don't have a context so, for it. Pod Save America is, um, it was created by former staffers of Obama. So oh. one was a speechwriter. Um, one, I forget his exact title, but they, they know Obama. They worked very closely with Obama. They were in the West Wing. Um, and then they have... I, I've not followed the podcast in the very beginning. So there's a woman that came on specifically to talk about choosing the vice president. I believe she might have been on the pod more at the beginning of it. But she was one of the inner circle that helped Obama choose Biden in the first place. So she knows intimately the process of okay. choosing the vice president. Okay. And the thing that struck me as funny is talking about the extreme vetting that all of the vice presidential candidates on the shortlist go through. And I'm sitting there listening to everything that they poured into this process thinking, and yet we have Trump in the White House. There's no way he would pass this vetting process because we rely on the American people to do the vetting for the main job. And then we have all of these other people that have to pass all these stringent tests that the main people in the front never have to worry about unless somebody makes stink. And it's it's a little bit funny to me. Not that I think there should be a committee vetting who runs for no, president. I, got you. I would love to hear, I'm going to be lazy and say, would you text me yeah. the link to that particular mm-hmm. episode? I don't think I want to listen yeah. to the whole thing. <laughs> Just I have blood pressure to deal with. But I would love to hear that, you know, especially if yeah. it's pretty straightforward with the, with the vetting process. That's very, yeah. very fascinating. And, you know, and they talk about it on, the, on both sides. And apparently, right before my time, there was a vice presidential candidate who wasn't vetted well enough and it, it turned into an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, I'm not sure if it was a Democrat or a Republican. Yet. I believe it might have been a Democrat. Um, and so that's what kind of led to the modern era of vetting. But it's just it's just crazy to me on one level to think that we can elect the most powerful person with no real vetting, and yet they have the highest security clearance in the land, and then we make everybody else go through I'll these believe that when he tells us what's really at Area 51. Yeah, they are keeping that up. I know, right? Um, that's a conspiracy theory for another time. Because yeah. I knew a guy who... <laughs> I knew a guy in Majestic 12. I actually lived up there. We went on a little field trip um, to Area 51 and had the snipers. 
Um, awesome. I want to hear, off the air, I want to hear all about that. That's fascinating. Um, but it's just, it's just funny to me that, you know, we, and of course we, 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 the public lazily in a lot of ways, leave it up to the media to do that vetting. And of course the media has their own agenda. They're, they're for profit, uh, system. And so they're not trustworthy with the vetting process, but that's the vetting process that we have, that we have, that we've allowed to have. And again, I, I do not think there should be some sort of. I, think I, I mean, in this you, one topic, we are in one hundred percent. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, how frightening. Dogs and cats living together, <laughs> mass hysteria. We agree on something. There you go, snakes and mice. But um, I hate snakes. <laughs> I'm scared of them. <laughs> I have some stories to tell you. No, no. Um, <laughs> if they involve snakes, I don't want to hear them. But. So anyway, I just, a little bit more vetting in 2016. We might not have a pandemic right now in the United States. Oh, I feel, that, I feel that we'd have the pandemic right now uh, if that were the case. Uh, fascinating topics. Um, yes. I'm looking forward to the next one. I, I look forward to every week. But particularly, I am dying to see what the GOP comes up with for the convention. We will see. And we'll see if there's any sort of... Last-minute surprise. You know, I, I did not even contemplate it, but now you put that little seed in my ear. And we're I, all going to be disappointed. It's going to be totally <laughs> Right? Well, it can't be as exciting as Billy Porter's 80s music video. But more about that next week. Thanks for joining us this week. You've been watching Purple Politics, a discussion between the red and the blue here in the Woodlands, brought to you by the Woodlands Online. You can watch us on Woodlands Online, our Roku channel, over the air on KVQT HD 21, or listen to this on the Woodlands podcast page, as well as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or topics for further discussion, please email us at woodlandspurplepolitics, all one word, at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. views expressed during this show are mine and my co-host alone and not reflective of any particular political party or organization.